Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Mixing it up a little bit today because Jordan's tippity tapping away at some very important stories uh, covering all things Flyers right now. Uh, couldn't make the podcast today, so I, of course, am Taryn Hatcher filling in for Jordan. Uh, make sure that you make good on his hard work right now and check out everything he's doing over at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. And I'm joined by my very talented pre, post-game, and intermission live producer, Joe Fordyce, to break down what the heck is going on with the Philadelphia Flyers. Joe, uh, where do we begin? Flyers dropped a game to the Devils 4-3 that everyone thought they should have won and should have been a get-right game for them, even if they played poorly, not how it went. And then some of the more optimistic fans of the base thought, well, they got really smacked around by the Rangers, uh, what, nine days ago now, a week from Wednesday that just passed, uh, nine nothing up at Madison Square Garden. Flyers hosted the Rangers last night, thought maybe they'll have an ax to grind. They'll come out with vengeance in their hearts. And they fall in that game 8-3. So the question, Joe, that I have for you is, what do you think the problem is at this point? Because <laughs> it's it seems like it's plentiful and all over the ice. Well, the first thing is I had to check and make sure Mika Zibanejad was number 93 because you would have sworn you saw 99 on the back of his yeah, jersey right? the last two games against the Flyers. Um, there's just uh, there, there seems to be a fundamental lack of, of defensive structure and almost confusion. At times, the Flyers recently in these last few games, particularly the two against the Rangers, they look like a team that has never played games together. Um, there's no, it doesn't seem to be recognition of where other players are going to be. Uh, and now uh, that could be blamed on the fact that they haven't had a ton of real practices together. That said, every other team is doing it too. Every other team has these challenges in the schedule, but this team, a couple things stand out. One, it, it looks like a team at times that hasn't played together. And two, this disturbing trend for a while, the trend was give up a goal or score a goal, give up a goal very quickly. Now, this other trend is emerging, and the trend is when one goal goes against, it's um, it's four and five goals against, like, before you blink your eyes. Give up eyes. a goal, give up another goal very quickly is the new trend, which is, yeah, problematic. Right. Um, and and the, the snowball factor, uh, games the games are getting away from this team very quickly, and that is no recipe for success because uh, all the teams they're playing, save maybe Buffalo, um, which we haven't seen Buffalo in a little while, but they've lost, I don't know, a million straight games. So we'll see next week what that's going to bring. But even the New Jersey Devils, this is not a high-flying team that scores a ton of goals. And we even saw that game snowball on the Flyers a couple days ago. So New Jersey think, was the second worst team in the league, I believe, when it came to goals per game. And and it was four four goals quickly and brutally for, for the and, Devils. And in that Devils game, if you said, well, Jack Hughes was flying all over the ice, that's one thing. Jack Hughes was tripping over himself. He It was the other guys, um, Sharon Govich, who I've Jay mispronounced Gore? his name. I've, I mispronounced his name in the newsroom, I think, seven times. Yeah. Uh, during that game, uh, he was, was everywhere. 
I said Shangri-La, I think it was. I was going to say, for the people that need a laugh, there was Sharangovich, and there was like, just walked over and Joe just came over to me and he was like, so in the first segment, we're going to talk about this goal and this goal. And in the second segment, we're going to talk about uh, Shangri-La. And I was like, did you just say (laughs) (laughs) Shangri-La? But yeah, you would hope it'd be a night where you don't have to say his name or anybody else's name for the devils other than to criticize them. And, you know, the thing that was really interesting that you mentioned about the Flyers looking like a team that, that had never played together when, if everyone will rewind back to preseason press conferences and Chuck Fletcher's preseason press conference, he said, I, I believe he may have even prefaced it by saying, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but we really believe that we do have an edge in that we have so many returning players. Like when it comes to guys who really got consistent ice time and were factors last year, the, the main losses were Tyler Pitlick and Matt Niskanen. Now, we can talk about defensive issues all day, and Matt Niskanen's name will come up 800 times. But in reality, it, it, it's at this point in the season, it's a little bit of like Matt Niskanen didn't save the day every single day last game. And we're doing an injustice to the current team to act like that's what the problem is. Matt Niskanen was a stabilizer, he was a steady guy. He brought out the best in Ivan Provorov. I do believe all of that. But let's be honest, Matt Niskanen. Matt Niskanen isn't winning the Norse. Like he wasn't last year. And if he was here this year, I, I hate to put limitations on him, but I don't think he would have been either. And so we can't pretend like that's the entire, that's the, the one that made the house of cards fall right now. But that seems to be, I do think also there's a lack of conversation about what Tyler Pitlick meant to the depth that still hurts at times because I know Scott loves Nico Bell, and I think he does some really nice things, but Tyler Pitlick had a motor and didn't commit some of those penalties that Nico Bell commits, which is not the end of the world every single night. But I just, it's, it is difficult to try to reconcile what the narrative around this team was last year, the number of players that existed on the roster that last year that are currently still here the attitude coming into the season, the attitude among the, the team, the front office staff, the coaching staff coming into the season and where the team is at now. None of it feels like it makes a lot of sense. And I, do, I will always give these guys credit because I do believe, and it was something, I feel like a lot of GMs don't like to talk about this, but Chuck Fletcher did point blank say, we do have a lot of young single guys that are, are now basically in their apartments by themselves. And if they make a mistake in one game, they, they, I mean, he didn't say it in all these words, but he said they're in their, they're single alone all the time. And at that point, you're just kind of left to your thoughts, which I do think is tough. Like I remember I, we weren't even in a pandemic, but when I moved to Hawaii and I didn't know anybody and I'm spending a ton of time in an apartment by myself, all I do is build up how good my life was back home until you can get out and about. And right now getting out and about is nowhere in sight for these players who are in a family bubble. That being said, and Al said it last night, it does. It sucks for them, but it sucks for everybody else in the league. Philly's not the only team with a family bubble. Everybody has a family bubble, and everybody has young single guys on their team. And it can't be. It it can't. It, it's not just one thing. There there's so many things going wrong. And Joe, the, it's less of a question and more just entertaining the idea of 
the, the games aren't going to stop coming. Like life is coming out of fast right now and it's not going to slow down until the season ends and it's going to end sooner rather than later if something doesn't change. So how, when the tide is coming at you and it's heavy at this point, what, like, what do you even do to make it stop? I don't know that anybody has that answer. I don't think AV, you can tell me if I'm too close to it, but it seems like in those post-game press conferences, AV more and more just doesn't really have answers. Well, I, I feel like there's several, several, and AV's one of them, several people involved with this team that seem lost right now. AV's one of them. More so the goaltenders, maybe not Brian Elliott, but Carter Hart definitely feels. I think Brian lost. Elliott's starting to get lost a little bit too, yeah. though. He's start, maybe he's starting to get lost too because he didn't come into the season expecting to play this much. And now there's this, sort of pressure like hey our young guy's going through some stuff and you need to be there and I don't know that that's something Brian Elliott anticipated and just to hit on a couple things you just said there Matt Niskanen you said he's not going to win in Norris Matt Niskanen through his career up until he played with the Flyers he was the guy that played with the guy that was the Norris candidate so he played with John Carlson in Washington he played with Chris Letang in Pittsburgh he didn't have to worry about being the top guy he was the stabilizing force. And then now all of a sudden, everyone's talking about him like he was the Norris Trophy candidate. You can't tell me Matt Niskanen coming back on this team fixes all the problems that are going on no. right now. There's just no way. Um, we have four, there are forwards that are not coming back on defense. Um, we saw a couple of instances with Travis Konechny the other night. Way down the other side of the ice while plays are breaking down in the Flyers defensive zone. So there's a lot of things, and, and these are basic things. So I don't know. I don't think one practice can fix anything, but the fundamentals are the way you clean up messiness. And I think that's what the Flyers have to get back to um, because I don't think the Flyers are talented enough defensively to sit back and wait for the other team to make a mistake like a team like the Islanders do. Um, they don't have the, they don't have the horses on the back end to play that style of hockey. But I really think that, that these guys all have to re-examine, like, look each other in the mirror. I said it on the last podcast. I think most of the blame here is the players. That would be my take. Um, Shane Gossespierre went in on those guys last night too. And lots of beliefs. I'm curious to see how, that resonates in the dressing room um, because it's maybe, not coming from a jury. Yeah. Maybe that's the guy that they need. Sorry to cut you off because I can tell you from my experience with the team, people can talk about all the trade rumors and Shane not playing well or Shane playing well or whatever. Shane is, Shane is one of the guys that everyone likes on the team. He's a well-respected voice in the locker room, even when he was young and even when he wasn't playing that well. It's why I think you always heard players at, like, outwardly pulling so hard for him to bounce back is because he's a well-liked guy socially speaking he's kind of a a connector it feels like between the veteran guys young guys he's somewhere in the middle he's a nice guy everybody likes him so maybe Shane coming out and being that vocal is is what was needed Uh, but you you do wonder you know at this point it feels like everyone's tried everything. So something's, something's got to give at some point. And we're talking about Buffalo. Like those are, 
guaranteed games. The Flyers forfeited a point to Buffalo last time they played them. Buffalo took no overtime. Like, and it was part of a week where they allowed opponents to walk away with seven out of eight points at, at games at Wells Fargo Center. So it's, it is, it is so, it's such a stark contrast to last year where the Flyers name of the game was forechecking. They wanted to be a hard team to play against. They wanted to be an impossible team to play against in Wells Fargo Center. You know, that decor was established. The goaltenders, Carter Hart was the other thing that people, I think sometimes forget. Carter Hart was bad on the road last year. I will always say this. Carter Hart was very good at home and bad on the road. I experienced them. I experienced the bus rides after. I remember it vividly. But Brian Elliott was kind of this really nice complimentary piece that could come in and save the day on the road. Now, save the day is coming up a lot more often. The decor is not established. And I wonder if trying to replace Niskanen by committee, maybe even mess things up early because there were so many moving parts and it was different D pairs every night. And now it seems like no one has any chemistry anymore. I don't know that's any one person's fault because no one knew how to replace Matt Niskanen. Were you going to put you know, Justin Braun with Ivan, or were you going to put Ghost with Ivan and Ghost hadn't proven himself yet? There's a lot, there's a lot to, to deal with just in that specific situation, but the Flyers also, they look, they still look good when they forecheck, but they don't always, they don't always even get there because they're turning the puck over like in the neutral zone, in the D zone so much, which makes me wonder if mentally this schedule is running them into the ground and I don't know why it impacts them more than other teams, but mentally it does seem to be running them into the ground, maybe because of the physical toll as well. And I do also wonder when it comes to the COVID stuff, a lot of the guys openly admitted that they had symptoms the first few days or so. I wonder if physically it's taken them longer to get back into shape and now they're a step behind in games. And it's, it's hard. Like, I wonder about the Travis Konechny's of the world. Who's a young guy in shape by all means shouldn't have really had a, a hard, sorry, someone's opening the garage. It sounds like that we're running a garbage disposal in the background here. Uh, I'm at my parents' house. Everyone It's really, it's really great. Um, but I do wonder when I look at some of these players, like I, is there a toll because you do hear, and I don't think we'll hear until everything's said and done, but you are starting to hear stories of like, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't really breathe right for months after I couldn't do that. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure out, I, we're grasping at, I mean, every post game live, we're kind of like, how, how are we going to do this one today? How are we going to say something different? Because none of it really seems to make sense, Joe. Well, it's interesting. Another interesting point is Chuck Fletcher was asked earlier this week, about the whole idea of overvaluing some of the talent that they have. Um, and you wonder, did they do that? But these guys, Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim in the bubble, that looks like two totally different players than they have now. Um, you mentioned a guy like Tyler Pitlick, and I, I'm not a big cliche person, although hockey cliches, I, I love a good hockey cliche. But Tyler Pitlick is like one of those guys referred to as a glue guy. And if you look at, he is playing, he has played on the top line in Arizona this year under Rick Tockett. That tells you what, what a guy like Tockett thinks of someone like Tyler Pitlick. He could play on the top line some nights. So maybe it is a little bit of a bigger deal than we're, than we're, you know, letting on. So there's a couple of things. And you, and you mentioned the thing earlier about the, the single guys, 
um, and the younger guys. Well, Adam Fox is 20 years old. He looked okay last night, you know, like, and he's looked really good this year. Uh, Jacob Chickren in Arizona is a young defenseman. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that he's single, but I mean, you could probably assume he is and, you know, they don't seem to be having any trouble. So it's not, um, I found that that comment by Chuck Fletcher somewhat puzzling because there's a lot of young players across this league and a lot of them are playing great. Yeah. Um, So I, I, I understand it in a sense and I, and I don't in a, like, I understand it in the way that I understand what you're saying as well. Like why is no one else seeming to be hit this hard by the mental impact of COVID, right? Because it does suck. Like we're all, uh, you know, we're, we're all dealing with it in different ways. These players are dealing with it on a different level than most people in that they really can't go see people. They can't go eat at a restaurant, even if they have all the socially distant kind of setups, or at least they're not supposed to um, all of that. So I, I, I do understand it. I do understand what you are saying. And I do agree. It seems bizarre that for the flyers, it, it is a problem among so many guys when in other places, it's not maybe like nice weather and being able to go outside and leave your apartment and do something will help. You can hope so. I mean, I know I'm in a better mood today because I walked outside and it felt like it was 70 degrees and sunny, which is amazing. But I do get it. I do get what he's saying from the other point of like, I mean, I'm not as young as some of these guys. I'm 28. I was 27 when the pandemic started. And uh, I have a lot of friends that are still in their minds, very young and are still in reality, very single. And I know when it first started and everyone was really freaked out and everyone was really staying home and nothing was open and you like, you didn't even try to see your delivery person when they delivered food and you, you know, were wiping everything down all the time. I know it really got to them that cabin fever. And, you know, I I do remember having conversations with them being, you know, nostalgic about their pre COVID life and doom and gloom about the future and this, that, because you're just left to your thoughts. But in reality, from what I've heard from people as well, a lot of these young guys sit at home and play video games all day. And it's what they would have been doing if COVID wasn't happening. And so some of it, I understand all sides of the argument, but it's, it is, it, as you were saying, it is so strange that it seems like, I think it's a fair argument for anyone to make. It's unfair in that every other team is in the same situation and not every other team is having the same issue. Like I'm sure Austin Matthews, when he's in Toronto is treated like a rock star everywhere he goes. And right now he can't leave the house. And Austin Matthews like blew the doors off the season to start like right out of the gates. So I just, it's tough. And, and I think he, he didn't say it and he refused to name names, but the, that answer I believe was in response to a question about Carter and Carter has publicly said himself, it's been tough for him being a young single guy who's just spending a lot of time alone. And I guess if you're a, if you're a Flyers fan, maybe it is best just to hope that that's what it is. And, and, because otherwise the question is, did we all overhype our idea of what the talent was last year? 
And I'd like to think the answer to that is no, because Travis Konechny just hasn't been having a good season. Kevin Hayes just hasn't been having the kind of season he had last year. Like there's a lot of guys who just aren't having the season they had last year. And I have a really hard time believing that last year were one-off seasons for them. Well, it's interesting too. And if you want to, if you want a case to compare it to, to give some optimism to the Carter situation, Jordan Bennington in his rookie season, they go on to win the Stanley cup. He replaces. I don't remember which goalie Allen early in that season. I forget the guy's first name even. Did he he replace him in a game against the Flyers too? Well, the the game against the Flyers in January of that year was the the game that everything turned around. And they were in the bar in South Philly where they heard the Gloria song and that became their thing. Was that Bennington's first start though? Uh, It might have been because I remember doing the pre and post game. And I I remember thinking like, okay, the Flyers just got, you know, torched by this guy no one's ever heard of and then he turns out to be the the phenom then fast forward to the bubble he got benched Berube, Craig Berube the head coach of the Blues was very frustrated with him and now this year they're he's back playing well so maybe that happens to Carter next year let's remember this guy has not played a regular NHL season yeah. yet his first season he came up in the middle of the season his second season um injuries and COVID and all kind. I mean, it's it. it there's been not an 82 game schedule is probably the most foreign thing to him right now because he's played nothing like that in his first few years in the league. He hasn't experienced it. So that it, you know, I I don't think all hope is lost with Carter. And you see the glimpses. You see him make. We saw it early in the game last night before the onslaught. We see him make the big time saves that remind you of what we saw in his first two years, what we saw in the back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs um, in the bubble. So you see the glimpses. My issue is that when things start going downhill and, and I think Brian Elliott can be grouped into this conversation too. These neither goaltender right now, when things start going downhill, they're not there to make the big save for a team. There's not a big save that energizes a team. If the puck gets deflected, it goes in if it's on net. Um, any, it seems like when, when stuff is snowballing, anytime the puck goes toward the net, it has a chance to go in. And I think that's a really disturbing feeling. It has to be disturbing for Elaine Vigneault, and it has to be disturbing for the rest of the guys on the ice. Um, you know, I mean, last night at one point during the game, I think – I know the Rangers had three goals on six shots, their first six shots. And at one point, I think they had, was it four or five goals on nine shots? Something crazy like that. I think they had six on 14. I think I remember that being a yeah. stat. I mean, I was getting lost with all the stats that were, yeah. were coming out of that game last night. And none well, of them were. Texts from stats people that are like, this yeah. record's been broken. This record's been broken. And I usually have a pretty good mind for like, if I, if I see it, I can recall it from seeing it on paper or in a text message. And even I last night was like, I can't just, this, just the records Mika's advantage ad like broke or I guess matched. Uh, I was like getting locked, like six points against the same opponent in the same month. And then six points within eight days of each other. The first one since Gretzky in 84, you know, he was the, the first stat I mentioned was he was the first guy to do it since 1920, Joe Malone. Like there were just 
And you're like, Joe Malone's not even a real guy. That's like a made up name. Well, yeah, I was like, can someone please fact check how to pronounce Joe Malone's name? Because I have a really a good index of like old hockey players, like pretty old hockey players. Right. But like 1920 is out of my life. Because right. if my parents didn't grow up watching them or it was in that kind of era of when they should have been watching them, at that point, I'm out of my depth. And, you know, to all the hockey heads, the stat heads who are like, you don't know Joe Malone, hand up. I, I was sitting there like, we're really, we're talking about, ni- I'm talking about 1920, like before World War II, we are talking about right now. Wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I noticed, um, you know, everybody kind of says the Rangers turnaround happened when Panarin came back in the lineup. So that, that may be so, and they're a totally different team when he's out there. But if you look at the last two games against the Flyers, Pavel Buchnevich and Mika Zibanejad have combined for 18 points in two games. The last two games against the Flyers, 18 points by those two players, neither of who are named Panarin, both good players, but neither of them are named Panarin. And Mika Zibanejad, I think, has more than half of his season total in the last two games against the Flyers. Yeah, yeah. He has has six of ten goals came against the Flyers, I believe. I believe that's right, yeah. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all of your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Now is a great time to look into repairing or installing a deck, ladies and gentlemen, because it is 70 and sunny, and it's starting. Spring is beginning. It's upon us. Hopefully positive vibes that will permeate through this podcast into your soul and maybe reverberate back onto the Philadelphia Flyers. Because, Joe, they're going to need it. Rangers. Tomorrow, game at one. Flyers pre-game live starts at noon. Um, so at at what point do we? Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too negative here. I'm not. You lose nine nothing, and then eight three. There has to be a response tomorrow. There has to. It, it like. Just pride-wise, there has to right. There has to be a response tomorrow. Uh, channeling Al Morgani in the newsroom. I know. The past I few know. Games. I know. They can't Al lose Morganti, this game, right? One against <laughs> Al Morganti for everybody who wants a behind-the-scenes peek. Al Morganti, period one of the Devils game goes. Guys, I got a great feeling. Seven-one win for the Flyers, and all of a sudden the Devils score like three goals and I'm like Al just heads up that 7-1 prediction 7-3 then 7-3 it's gonna be 7-3 flyers and I was like Al I dig this optimism I dig it but I was on the road for that 2018-19 season Carter's first season where there was like a new goaltender a week and GM and coach were gone halfway through Uh, optimism sometimes escapes me but there's just there's too many veterans and too many talented young players on this team for there not to be like a pride factor coming into Saturday. Like 
it was JJ said it on the broadcast better effort last game than the nine nothing game that being said you would you would hope so but it's it's just there's got to be there's got to be a response Joe like there just has to be I think you saw Scott Lawton at the end of um last night's game start kind of start that train in motion now Sam Moran got in the fight which he ended up getting fined for um I appreciate the effort, but Sam Moran is not the guy this team needs stepping up doing that stuff. He he was in there because of poor play by other players. So, right. you know, again, I appreciate the message sending and, and kind of hoping that that reverberates through the team. Um, you saw Scott Lawton. He, he seemed fired up <laughs> at the end of that game, and he, he, he's a, a, spark pu- a spark plug type of player. Um, Travis Konechny, a spark plug type of player. And you would hope that these guys come out of the gates um, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, now, they haven't had many of these one o'clock starts, but wake up, have your coffee, and come to the rink ready to, to, to kind of set fire under the bench, let's say, and, uh, and get, get things rolling. Um, because this Ranger team, we were talking about it last night, I believe it was either Buchnevich's second, first or second goal. We didn't even know it went in because he didn't even celebrate. It was just no, like, was a, the, oh, ho-hum, another goal. Yeah. It and was, like, it, Carter looked behind him like, where did it go? And it wasn't until we saw the light go off where we're like, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, um, they, they, the Rangers appear to be a team that is borderline bored playing the Flyers right now. Yeah, so, Jones said it on the broadcast. It's, it's confidence confidence that borders on cockiness from a team that's been sorry to Rangers fans not good for most of the season and behind the Flyers for the entirety of the season until last night yeah yeah Why? and um and and Igor Shosturkin's been up and down he looked pretty good last night um you know they faced Georgiev last week who got the shutout against them in the nine nothing game um you know, it, it, the Rangers have looked good. I'm not trying to take away from, and they have talented players on that team, but the Flyers have lent a hand in making them look better than they are the past two games in particular against them. And the Flyers lent a hand making the Devils look a whole lot better than they were the game before last night. So I, you know, it, it's got to come to a head at some point. And you, you hope it's tomorrow. Um, because if it's not tomorrow and then maybe you go out and you, you, you plaster Buffalo and on Monday, I don't think anybody's feeling great about that. I I don't think people are, 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 are back on board and feeling confident if you go out and plaster a team that everyone else is plastering quite frankly. But if you win tomorrow, right, if the Flyers are able to win tomorrow and then you go shellac Buffalo, you absolutely obliterate them all of a sudden next week feels different it's mm-hmm. but this is this is the same trap you fall into where we had kind of said after it, the, the flyers needed to win against new jersey and then you go in feeling good and after a while like the the bounce back of it all when we keep talking about bounce back course correct whatever it, the big theme of the other night that we're talking about on post game and uh Joe, you'd mentioned to it to me a lot of times as I was writing was like, 
we have to get into if last game was a bounce back, what is tonight? Well, the Flyers now need to look at Monday and set them up for Monday to be the second step. Rangers need to be the first step because Monday's not a great foundation to be your first step. It's the Buffalo Sabres. You should beat them in real, like in normal times, you should beat them like nine, nothing the way the Rangers beat the Flyers. The problem is, is it's not enough. Even if they battle their way to a win, no matter how that game plays out, I have a hard time believing that performance is going to be enough to sell themselves on it being the first step in the right direction. That Rangers game tomorrow has to be that. But you'd hope, like you said, Scott Lawton, Scott Lawton as well is one of those, those guys that kind of like a Shane, the locker room respects. He's a guy who's been willing to drop the gloves in the past. He's usually just a workhorse, plays bottom six, plays top six, has skill, is physical. He, he does all the things that you respect. And so you'd hope him getting fired up at the end of last game translates into the next game and that he's one of those guys who can, who can get something going because – they, like like we've been saying for the past five minutes, it, it can't just be Monday. It can't, and we're not even guaranteeing Monday at this point. I don't think we can. So it's it's got to be Saturday and Monday. And th- this team just needs to put together any kind of consecutive wins. I don't even care if they're ugly at this point. Like we were at the beginning of the season talking about ugly wins versus good wins and this, that, and the next thing. Who cares if they're ugly at this point? They just need to win consecutive games because whether anyone believes in it or not, I will say from my experiences, from my studio was right outside of the dressing room for games for, throughout, you know, wherever we were with the Flyers, I, I, you could feel the vibe. Last year when they got good, part of it was that they, they bought themselves, right? We were saying, did we oversell the talent level last year? They, they sold themselves on their talent level last year, and then they played up to it every night. Right now, I don't know that they're even buying into their own ability, uh, especially when you look at a guy like Travis Konechny and, and what he can do. Um, for me, Phil Myers is a big one because we saw how well he played in the bubble, and he doesn't quite look like that anymore. And I do think that rib injury is tough because they say with rib injuries, whenever you breathe, it, it hurts. So I would be interested to, to really know how he's feeling, but I don't want to speculate, but they need, they need to just get wins period to start buying back into who they are. Cause if you put yourself down every day, you're going to start to become the person that you tell yourself that you are. And last year they told themselves for about the last eight weeks of the season before the world shut down, we're, we're a deep run team. We're not a make the playoffs team. We're a win around, maybe win two rounds kind of team. And what do you know? They won around and they played not great against the Islanders and still took them to seven games. So I just don't know that, that, that this team is aware of that's still who they are. But when people talk to me about like, well, are they good? That's always the question I get is, are they good? And it's like, well, they're not playing well. We can all say that. They'll say mm-hmm. that. They're not playing well. But in reality, like Kevin Hayes is a good hockey player. Does he cheat defensively sometimes? Yes. But he is a good hockey player. Travis Konechny was an NHL All-Star last year. Joel Farabee, 
playing beyond any expectation anybody had. JVR making his paycheck this year when last year he was called out by AV for not doing so. Like the, that talent is still there. It's just, it doesn't seem like people are, are buying their own ability. Yeah. And I think, I, I think what you just said about the, the upcoming schedule um, is, is dead on. And I think if you win that game against the Rangers on Saturday, then maybe these guys do start to buy in and you, and you say, okay, maybe we are that team. Um, and then let's go. How many wins in a row can we get with the two games with Buffalo? You lose that game on Saturday. Then all of a sudden it becomes, are we going to be the first team to lose to Buffalo in a month? And that yeah. is not the mentality you want to have going into those games because you could be your own worst enemy in those games, no matter how bad your opponent is. And I don't think that's any, that is anything anybody wants to see. So I feel like we've said this for maybe five games in a row now. I feel like tomorrow is the, the most important game of the season. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah. And, and I will say this. For everybody who looks back on that 2018-2019 year, and, and I think they're, they get a little bit of, like, deja vu or whatever. They thought last year was a flash in the pan. Even in that year, even through all the crap that team went through, and goalies changing and people not being sure if Carter was ready and Brian Elliott dealing with injury and coaching changes, GM changes, all of that, that team at one point in the season went on to win seven straight, I think eight straight games. Like this team can still do it. They can still pull themselves out of this rut. Cause I think this team had even more talent than that team even had, but it's just a matter of they got to start somewhere and I talked the other night about traction track. There has to be some traction because it seems like they get a foothold and the rock bed slips underneath of them. At some point, a foothold has to begin. And Joe, let's hope, let's hope that they find a good solid rock to plant their foot on tomorrow against the Rangers. Absolutely. All right, All right Joe Fordyce. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. I know you see enough of my face and hear enough of my voice. I'm just nah. sick of sick of myself at this point. So I commend you for dealing with me all the time. Uh, Jordan Hall will, I would expect to be back on the next podcast. We miss him dearly, but as I said, he's working hard right now and uh, make it worth it for Jordan. Go check out what he's doing because his articles and everything he does is always pretty great. Thank you for listening to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I'm Taryn Hatcher. I'll be with you tomorrow at noon for Flyers pregame live. Puck drops at one against the Rangers. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And go ahead and follow NBC Sports Philadelphia on social media as well. You can get all the updates there when we're posting new pods. You don't miss a thing. See you guys. Bye.